Okay, Power Rangers, let's do it! Go, go, Power Rangers! <laughs> Welcome to the Super Sentai Brothers. This is episode 36 of Live and Let Die Ranger, the internet's best and only podcast dedicated to Gosei Sentai Die Ranger. Every week we watch an episode of the show and we share our thoughts with you, our listeners. My name is Matt J. With me as always is my co-host and brother Dave. Dave, how are you today? Matt, I am killer. Uh, I had a great day. Oh, yeah? Great day. Oh, yeah. No, tell me about your great day, because... Uh, we've worked out the five stars, and that wasn't one of them. Oh, well, it's it's actually about the first star is one oh. of the reasons that I had a great day. It's well, beautiful out. I walked to work. It was like a, a, a nice 60 degrees, great walking weather. Oh, it's been gorgeous today. I know, but really, I'm jazzed about the first star. Okay, well, then let's not waste any more time. Dave, shining in the heavens, there are five stars. What is our first star of the week? Oh, man, it's so good. Okay, so, Matt, my favorite role-playing game and yours, Mage, the Ascension, has just come out with a new edition. It's okay. called the. It's called M20. It's the 20-year anniversary edition of this game, and it is... It's not like out, out, out. It's I got a we got like a beta copy you and I it's and some other of our out. friends yeah it's Kickstarter out so we have a like advanced PDF of this thing so okay for those of you who are not familiar with this game Maze, oh yeah yeah, as yeah. we Dave should said a moment ago <laughs> it's a twenty year old game it's uh it used to be a White Wolf game back when White Wolf was a going concern yeah um, this, but there's a whole like, the world weird of darkness I'm not sure what the deal is there. um. If none of these words mean anything to you, then just wait until the second star. But um, for those of you who recognize what we're talking about, World of Darkness, so like Vampire the Masquerade, Werewolf the Apocalypse, and another one of the games in that was Mage the Ascension. The best uh, one. You played like modern day wizards, but it's a lot more but than it's that. More it's than, like really yeah. philosophical. Um, it's great. And it the is... reason that you, Dave, had a, oh, a man. moment trying to remember the name of the game is that there was, I don't know, 2004, 5, uh, a new no, version of the game called Mage 2006, the actually. Oh, was it 6? Yeah, it was, because for an anecdote that doesn't matter, but it was 2006, I believe. Okay. Or maybe uh, I got it in 2006. Anyway, so there are two versions of the game. There's Mage of the Ascension, which is the original, then Mage of the Awakening, which was sort of like a... Uh, the new 52 version of Mage, if that makes yeah. any sense. Otherwise, it like was, it was a reboot fine. in a different world that had a lot of the same elements, but was a different game entirely. Yeah, like but it was this cool. is the original game that we loved that I started playing in oh, 2002, and you started playing in 2001, uh, yeah. um, that is finally back, back in full force. Oh, man. And it is, it's back in, like, not just full force, but, like, extreme force. This book is is almost 700 pages long. <laughs> it's just a monster. Well, because what they did is they got one of the guys who was uh, really responsible for a lot of the early like writing and conceptualization of the game, um, Sederos Filbricato, who is uh, just a, a super cool dude. 
and they brought him back to do most of the writing and conceptualization of, of Mage 20. And so this is a dude who has been thinking about this game and like how it works and how it's put together for like 20 years. And I think it really comes through in the book. It's beautifully written. And a lot of like concepts and ideas about the game are refined and sort of fleshed out in a really great way. I'm just super, super excited to play it. I think it's going to be really, really fun. That's oh, yeah. really all I, I have am, to say I about it. I am monumentally jazzed about this game. Yeah, I haven't had a chance to like read it, read it yet, because it just we literally just got it today, and it's 700 pages long. Yeah, I am like 20 pages into this, and it is killing me that we are right now recording this podcast instead of me digging into the PDF. I know, for you guys. All, it's for you guys. This is how much we are dedicated to you to making this happen. But yeah, man, uh, I'm I'm just I'm I'm talking dumb. I'm so excited about it. Like I can't even like <laughs> just like oh, it's gonna be it's gonna be great. I'm really it's good. I'm excited. Hey, listen, we we <laughs> like this so much that we paid enough that our old mage character names that we have been playing for about a dozen years are in the back of the book. So, oh yeah, that's true. That is how dedicated we are to the cause, listeners. If you care about Mage of the Ascension, we are right there with you. We are um, there. And if you don't care about it, then I don't know. You know, what? I'm going to bring back an old classic. Go suck a lemon. No, no, man, don't don't go suck a lemon. Go read Mage. That's what you should do. Go That's read Mage and solution. play it. It's a way better option. Okay, we could talk about this for probably all five stars uh, if dude, we really want to get about into this the details. For 12 years, so we should probably just move on. Yeah, <laughs> we have we have been talking about it for twelve years, maybe longer. Actually, no, longer, longer than that. Anyways, Matt. So that is our first star. What? What is our second star of the week, Matt? Dave, I'm going way back on this one. I'm going back to, like, November or something. Do you remember, ages ago, I was talking about the fact that uh, I've been trying to up my game, up my uh, sort of homestead game here? Yeah. In I, fact, 2015, vaguely... the new motto for 2015 is up your game. Oh, wait a minute. Yeah, because we were talking about your, like, slow descent into madness, how you have, like, knickknacks, but not enough tchotchkes or something, right? That's the very episode. Yeah. One of the things I mentioned is that I realized I was 30 years old and did not even own a printer for my computer. Dave, this week, this very week, I went out and I bought a printer. Oh, I went to man. Target. I gave them money. And, okay, here are two things like that, I, that, I had, <laughs> that I had forgotten about printers. One... Um, is that they're great to have around the house uh -huh. because you don't have to try to sneak your printing in while you're at work or like go to a Kinko's. That is uh, nice because Kinko's is the print shop of the damned, basically. Do you, you know, know my old friend CW used to work at a Kinko's? I'm very sorry for him. Yeah, he hated it. No, it's terrible because Kinko's is where you go when you desperately need to have something on a piece of paper at three in the morning, and the other people who are there are just as desperate and frantic as you are. Trying to use a strange computer to print out some probably really important official document and use their fax machine. Um, and if you have to have to use any, any fax machine at all, it's always a bad experience, let alone a weird fax machine in a Kinko's at 3 a.m. when you're already panicked. So I'm very glad to not have to go there anymore. The other thing that I had forgotten about a printer is that apparently printers are terrible to try to set up. 
Oh, yeah, they're awful. I got it the other day. And listen, they have gotten fancier since the last last time that I've owned a printer. Uh, Okay. Because now they're all, like, wirelessly set up. And I spent an hour or two. I don't remember. I kind of, like, went into a fugue state and blacked out in the middle of it. It took (laughs) ages to get this thing hooked up on my Wi-Fi router. It, it was a nightmare, and the nightmare has passed, and now I can just print out as many mage character sheets as I want to. But that was a really big part of my week, and I just wanted to bring it up, update you on how those things are going, and move right along. <laughs> All right. So, Matt, your uh, continuing steps into adulthood aside, our third star of the week are the fourth annual One Act Festival at the school at which I teach. So I'm super excited about it. Opening night is Thursday. Which is why we are forced to record this earlier in the week on a Tuesday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry <laughs> sorry about that. Uh, no, show, it's fine, it's fine. The show in both this show and that other show must both go on. So yeah, it's we're doing the one acts. It's the fourth year that we've been doing it. It's actually the third year that, that I did it or have done it, am doing it, whatever. You understand what I'm saying. Oh, I gotcha. Uh, well, there was, uh, they did it the year beforehand. I think they got the choir director to do it on like the weird school administrator logic that he also does performing arts of okay, some kind. Okay, that's uh, close, I guess. Oh, dude, listen. <laughs> like, the decisions of a school board and administration are sometimes just completely inscrutable. Like, we just found out that uh, we had a levy. It didn't pass. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Well, that's neither here nor there, uh, at least as far as Dire Ranger is concerned. But they have eliminated our technical director. They told Ooh. him, they're like, well, you know, we don't we don't think we need you. I think it'll be fine. And it's like, guys, 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 seriously. Dogs, we are not fine. Guys, we are not fine. Like, you don't understand, like, nothing in this building happens, well, not nothing, but, like, nothing happens on stage in any way without this dude setting it up. No plays, no concerts, no musicals, no meetings, like, nothing happens without Keith making it happen. Keith is his name. So who knows? Who knows why they decided that? Uh, they're crazy people. Anyways, on a much more pleasant note, the One Acts are happening, and uh, they're student-directed, which is really cool and fun. I grab some seniors, and I'm like, hey, f- you know, find a show that you'd like to do. We audition. The kids pick their own casts. They direct them. I'm really just kind of there in like a supervisory role, sort of guiding, and it's a ton of fun. Like It's really, really cool. The kids get super into it, and we are actually one of our board members... I think you mentioned this a few episodes ago. Did I? Um, That he's a playwright? that you are doing shows that he had written. Okay. Well, then I won't elaborate again. But yeah, they're they're really fun. They're funny. We're excited to do them. And we open on uh, Thursday. So it's a little nerve-wracking. You know, anytime a show is about to open, it's a little like, no. But you just, you got to trust the mystery, man. You got to trust the mystery of theater. That beautiful mystery of the theater. The theater. What's happened to the theater? Uh, especially where dancing is concerned? Yeah. 
Yeah. Sorry. Okay. We're going to stop there before we recite. Before we go full on white Christmas. Dave. Okay. So that is our second star of the week. What I wonder is our third star of the week. Our third star of the week, Matt. Please tell me, Dave. Is The Witcher 3 is coming out. Okay, now, you mentioned this earlier. You're going to have to describe this to me, because all that I know about The Witcher is that the name sounds like it shouldn't make any sense, and it's Polish. So please tell me what this game is. Well, okay. Uh, the Witcher is a series. This is The Witcher 3. It's obviously it's the third in a series. It's published by a developer called CD Projekt Red, and they are based out of Poland. And this is really their, the Witcher series, is like their flagship franchise they've done i think like one or two things kind of before that they actually matt have the video game license for cyberpunk oh cyberpunk 2020 yeah do you remember this was a few years ago you mean artel saurian cyberpunk 2020 artel saurian cyberpunk 2020 do you remember matt a few years ago uh uh, what do you call it a trailer a trailer came out for cyberpunk do you remember that trailer? Like, how oh, it was I remember super crazy it. And amazing? then I remember seeing nothing else about it, which gravely disappointed me. Because yeah, Cyberpunk well, is my that is, like, oh, sorry, role-playing game white whale. I know. Not because I couldn't play it. Like, we have the books. The mm-hmm. reason we can't play it is because the world is beautiful, but the system is so broken that there's it's no unplayable. reason to try. It's, a, it's a terrible game. Uh, <laughs> but I want uh, to play but anyway, it, right? sometime. Uh, but anyways, that's CD Projekt Red, Matt. They are the ones who put that trailer together. And listeners, they by the way, sorry, been... real quick. If you want to know anything about uh, Artel Sorian Cyberpunk 2020 or 2029, the year shifts here and there. Um, don't bother looking up any information. Only do like a Google image search. I don't tell you everything because that's you really all you need to know about it. Yeah, is like the weird like Chrome and like fashion direct from like 80s fashion magazines plus weird metal arms it's beautiful and mad and i love it yeah anyway so Dave, anyways please that proceed. was cd project red and they are just like their i don't know their thing as much as i think they can be said to have a thing is that everything they produce is just like beautifully polished like there aren't glitches. There aren't bugs. It works together. Like it, it, it's just really fantastically crafted. And The Witcher is a fantasy series. It's an open-ish world RPG. And my understanding is, is that I actually weirdly I try to avoid knowing like a whole whole lot about games that I'm like really really excited for because I want to you know I just want to like go in and experience it. That but, makes sense to me. Yeah. But it's a uh, it's going to be an opener world than previous iterations, and you play uh, Geralt, who is the titular Witcher, and the idea is is that in this fantasy world there are monsters, but normal folks basically like can't, like they have no hope, like they can't hope to fight a monster, and okay. so there are Witchers, and Witchers like undergo like strange alchemical processes and trainings that make them able to successfully fight monsters, but in so doing kind of become like weird and like societally other themselves. And so like society needs them, but it doesn't really like them. And, uh, you know, Geralt is a hero and he's doing all sorts of heroy things. And I'm just, it's, it looks like an amazing game. Visually, it looks beautiful. 
Uh, the gameplay in the Witcher series is traditionally uh, challenging, but not like gross and punishing. You know what I'm saying? Like it's not like Dark Souls territory. Oh no! I mean, Dark Souls is. I applaud those of you who like to play the Dark Souls games, but uh, man, that is a rough road to hoe. <laughs> yeah, so they're not they're not that, but they are challenging gameplay, and I'm just I'm really really jazzed about it. I don't actually think I'll probably pick it up this weekend. I'm gonna try and be a grown up about it and just wait till school is out, and then I can just kind of chill out and play video games for a, a little bit before I right on, dude. start doing all the work that I've been putting off until summer. But that's The Witcher Three. I'm jazzed about it. I'll be back with a report maybe when I actually get a chance to play it. But what Matt? What is our Fifth star of the week. Dave, our fifth star of the week is the movie of the summer. And no, listen, okay. Because we already talked about Avengers, Matt. I know we got excited about Avengers, Dave. And I know that Ant-Man's still coming. And there's probably other movies that are happening this year. Let me just say, all those movies can go suck a lemon because I just saw Mad Max Fury Road. And Dave, let me talk about Mad Max for a minute. Okay, just Matt, I haven't had a chance to see it, so don't... I know, I know, like, okay. Here's don't the mess this up for me. First but of go. all, there's not a lot that I could spoil, frankly. Okay, there is, but I'm not going to do it. Let me just say a few things generally about Mad Max Fury Road. One, it's great. Two, it's super good. Three, it's the best. Just go see Mad Max. <laughs> okay. Here's a few... Okay, here are actually a few things about Mad Max. One... Oh, gosh. How do I even talk about this without spoiling anything and still properly communicating to you why you should go see it? Well, okay, Matt. Let me let me help you on that point, at least, because we talked about this on our listserv. Maybe just talk about the names of some of the characters. Okay, Dave. Here are some of the names of the characters from Mad Max Fury Road. There is, uh, well, clearly there's Mad Max. Right. There's the main villain, Immortan Joe. Immortan Joe. <laughs> Uh, there is Rictus Erectus, uh, right. Toast to the Knowing, wait, the wait, who People is it? Eater. Toast the Knowing? Yep. Okay. Uh, the People Eater, the Bullet Farmer, the Splendid Angrahad, or Angarad, <laughs> uh, Miss Giddy, the Organic Mechanic, Corpus Colossus, the Prime Imperator, Cheeto the Fragile, the Coma Doof Warrior, uh, the Valkyrie, Dude. And the character that Charlize Theron plays, um, Imperator Furiosa. Those are just what? the names of the characters in the movie. Oh, hey, dude, it here's sounds... something I want to point out to you about It that. sounds like Exalted, almost. Does that make sense to you? Like weird post-apocalyptic Exalted. Okay. Yes. Uh, Mad Max, as it turns out, is the best. Like, okay. Um, Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome came out in 1985, right? Mm-hmm. 30 years ago. And yeah. the same, like, the guy who direct, wrote and directed this movie, George Miller, is the same guy who wrote and directed the previous three Mad Max movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In case you were not aware of that. No, He's I didn't like know that. He's 70 but... years old and he came back to do this. Uh, if, and Return of the Jedi came out in, like, 83. If you had told me... Like, in the 90s, before, like, the prequel trilogies came out, like, which George was going to come back and make a better movie in his own series? Oh, like, like Miller or Lucas? Letter, Miller or Lucas? I would have put hard money on Lucas, and I would have lost all of that money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sounds like okay. he would have. 
Here's something about this movie. Charlize Theron's character is named Furiosa. Okay. The main character of this series is Mad Max. Mad Max is named Mad. Furiosa is named Furiosa. Like, she's furious. She's madder than Max. Like, I noticed this after the movie, and it was the most beautiful thing. Like, okay, yeah. Like, here's this dude. He is Mad Max. Here is this lady. She is even madder than Mad Max, and she is the best. Like, listen, I like Charlize Theron a lot. Okay. Uh, I did not expect her to be this like as amazing good as she is. Movie. Like, oh, dude. Okay. Oh, well, you know dude. what? I'm just gonna. I'll find time to see it. I'll find time to see it this weekend. See it as soon as you can, listeners. Um, no kidding. Like, Avengers was a fine movie. I enjoyed it quite a bit. It had its upsides and its downsides, and its you know Infinity Gems and the Vision was great. Um, if I was only allowed to watch one movie from this summer. Like, it would probably be Mad Max. Just go wow. see Mad Max. High praise. Anyway. High praise. All right, Matt. That's we it, gotta right? go. That's it for our five stars? Yeah, that's it. Five glorious stars. Uh, what episode are we watching today, Matt? Uh, Dave, today we're watching episode 36. It is called The 6,000-Year-Old Grudge. Uh, so we're going to take a break. We're going to watch it, and we'll be right back with our review. <laughs> Okay, welcome back. So, we have just finished watching episode 36 of Die Ranger. Dave, what happened this week? What happened this week, Matt, is the Rangers fight a monster called the Count Kaleidoscope. Daigo reunites, uh, at least temporarily, with Kujaku. We are led to believe that Kujaku will be able to save herself, but at the last moment, she isn't. I won't go say how Such yet. Such a tragedy, Dave. Such, Such a tragedy. tragedy. And then uh, then they kill Count Kaleidoscope. That part I think you could have seen coming. Well, sure. Okay, so. <laughs> as we begin this episode, we start with a brief recap on who Kujaku is and what her deal is. Because it's been a while since we've seen her. I was so, going to say. Um, normally we skip that For the sake of recapping part. and also um, because... For reasons that I still can't explain, uh, sometimes you listeners are listening to these out of sequence or have skipped an episode. So in case you don't know who Kujaku is and what her deal is, here is a brief reminder. Kujaku is a, the, she is the reincarnation of the Peacock Buddha. And we find out that she is, at this episode, that she is connected to like a larger thing. We'll explain that at the moment. But she is also, and this is perhaps more important for our interests, she is Daigo's, like, love interest character. She's not around all the time. She has some pretty weird motivations sometimes, but she is ultimately a good character. The last episode that we saw Kujaku in, she and Daigo were trapped by a monster. I, I don't remember what its name was, but it was like a giant furnace monster. And he trapped yeah. Kujaku in, and Daigo in, like, uh, like a hell dimension inside his own body, which Daigo proceeded to punch his way, like, rage punch his way out of. And we also find out that Daigo and Kujaku's, like, chi is synced up. Like, Daigo also is connected to Kujaku's peacock rainbow chi. So, like, they're... You know, like, they have a pretty close relationship. 
Yeah, and the last thing to know about Kujiku is that um, since she is like this pure creature from, you know, before human history, um, the fact that currently the Earth has a bunch of pollution in it is slowly killing her because her body isn't sort of... uh, Adapted. Exactly. It's not adapted to deal with it. So what she is trying to do is to find the sacred peacock tear, and that is going to heal her so that she can be back to full strength and help the Die Rangers fight the Goma. Okay. Right. So that oh, is our flashback. Also, also, Kujaku and Gara, the Goma commander, have super duper serious beef. Oh, they got beef for days. But we will <laughs> for, get to the source of that For beef. millennia, Matt. In fact. Oh, six. I mean, six, it, this six, is a 6,000 6, year old grudge. grudge. <laughs> okay. Profile. So, okay. Here we are. So uh, the show opens with, it's just, it's a dude on a hike, this we don't care about this guy. He's just like some rando. So he is taking a hike, and he it looks as though he's like looking over a cliff face, and I almost think he has to have deliberately stepped over. I don't think like the idea is that that's what happened, but the dude just takes a step into nothing and falls down. I shouldn't say cliff. It's like a uh, like a drop off, maybe. Is it a bluff? Yeah, maybe it's a block. Whatever it is, is that it is too tall and steep for that dude to have been messing around near the lip of it. But so he did, and he fell off and landed in, like, a field of of flowers. I shouldn't say bed. But yes, a field of flowers. He Uh, seems to be hurt. Yeah, definitely. And then he manages to stand up, and what it looks like is like an energy, like a rainbow energy peacock just straight up attacks him. And then it blanks out. So I really thought that Kujaku had like gone crazy and was attacking people. That they immediately is what that jump. scene would lead, lead you to believe. Right. Because um, it's super confusing. But they clear it up right afterwards because we cut to a television interview where some reporters are talking to this guy. And he's like, yeah. Uh, I fell down, there was a bunch of flowers, the flowers all bloomed, and I was saved by, like, this vision of an energy peacock. So, watching the TV are our Die Rangers. We've got Rin, we've got Kazu, we've got Daigo, and we've got Shoji. Uh, Ryu isn't there, we find out in a second it's because they're at his restaurant, he's in the back room cooking them up some food. No, 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 not, not just food, Matt, specifically dumplings. Oh, you know... If you were a long-time listener to this show, you know that Ryu has a mad on for perfecting his dumplings. Oh, dude, it's super intense. He brings out, in, in just a second, I'll just say it right now, dude brings out he just like just a mountain of gyoza, like a, a heaping, heaping plateful. I just, dude, I don't know why people, I don't have someone in my life that does that for me. I want somebody in my life who's so dedicated to perfecting their dumplings. That they just make the hundreds. Okay, like Dave, I need that. Uh, this this is not related to this episode, but it is related to Ryu and his love of uh, perfecting the dumpling. Mm-hmm. So, um, I have told you in the past that there was another show, the a pretty recent show called Gokaiger, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. In Gokaiger, um, the main heroes are like these pirates from space who are able to channel the powers of all the previous Super Sentai teams. Oh, and, yeah, and they the kind series, of switch meet, it up, right? Right, and throughout the series, they meet people from the previous series, and they bring back a lot of the old actors yeah, this sounds to familiar. sort of guide the team along. Okay, mm-hmm. now, 
in the in the Die Ranger episode of Gokaiger, the one that they find and who helps them along the way is Ryu. That makes sense. It's you know it is the dude who plays Ryu. Um, he is you know he has aged very well actually. Um, and Ryu at this stage in his life is working as like a dude who has a food cart who does nothing but perfect his dumplings. Amazing! That's so great! It's like 20 <laughs> years later, and still, and still, the only thing that Ryu cares about is perfecting his dumplings. Oh, and man, that's sure so that great. sure that everybody gets some. That's, oh, okay, that's so wonderful. That's back, wonderful. Back to Die Ranger. I choose that to believe that he... That was just a great he, moment from Gokaiger. That he has perfected them, and now is just, you know, like spreading the good word, right? Spreading the joy of good dumplings. Oh, dude, I love <laughs> I love dumplings. Okay, so anyway, so, so we so are watching TV. So we're watching TV now. The guy in the interview says, "Yeah, I was injured, and then a magical peacock came to save me." And here is what Kazu says as a response to that: "Like, oh, nah, he must have been hallucinating. That happens a lot when people get lost in the woods, right?" See. But Kazu has met a magical peacock woman. He Dude, knows that she's even, out there. Don't eat. Just, Matt, listen. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Daigo gets so it. Daigo. Oh, yeah. yeah Daigo he's remembers, like, of course, because it's his he, weird, like, <laughs> on-again, off-again, magic 6,000-year-old girlfriend. What's great is that he doesn't even watch the TV. He stands up, but he's so excited. He doesn't just stand up. He stands up on his chair. <laughs> and I think he's then like holding both in. of his hands in fists. Like, it's time. Oh, I thought he was actually still holding a dumpling. Like in chopsticks oh, he might in one have of been. his hands. He might have been. So Ryu walks in with this aforementioned pile of dumplings, puts them down, is like, dude, Daigo, dude, calm down. Like, have a seat. Have a seat. Like, what are you doing? Eat some dumplings. And Daigo's like, no, I'm leaving right now. And <laughs> he just runs out of the restaurant. And I think he mentions, like, if this is a real thing and not an illusion, if that wasn't Kujiku, she is going to go find wherever that is, and because that is going to be a sign that that might be where the sacred peacock tear is. He gives most of that information and then runs off. Oh, that's right. And the rain- the other rangers just have to sort of, like, trail behind him. <laughs> okay, so we cut away from there, and we cut into this cave, and... At first, we just hear sort of like a low chanting, and there's like a fire or something. Not or something, it's just a fire. And we see some hands, and they're kind of doing some arcane movements, is what it looks like. And then it zooms out, and we see this week's monster, Count Kaleidoscope. And Count Kaleidoscope is just a dude in like a leotard. I think he has a cape, and instead of a head, he has a giant kaleidoscope. And yeah, then, like, weird, like, like yarn dreads kind of coming off of the back of the kaleidoscope. Like, I'm not totally sure what they are, but he definitely has a lot of, like, ornamentation. I'm going to be real. This guy's design is a little bit of a letdown after uh, the canon dude last week. Tiny bit lazy. Giant kaleidoscope, you know, cool, but ultimately not, I think, their most imaginative work. But... What it does look like he is doing is he has some sort of scrying power. Like he can, he, he himself acts as a crystal ball of sorts. And he is checking out 
Kujaku. He's kind of watching her to see what's going on. And as he's doing this, Gara walks in and they're like, aha, there she is. You know, because clearly they are watching for her. Uh, this is all part of that aforementioned 6,000 year old grudge. Right. And so it's actually kind of cool. They do like a soft cut because you see Kujaku in his crystal, like his Count Kaleidoscope's face operates as the crystal ball, but he can also see what's going on in his own fates, I guess. Let's just move on from sure. that. Because, but anyways, yeah, you, you see Kujaku in his like reflective face, and then it kind of zooms in, and then you're just in the scene with Kujaku. It was a pretty neat... It was neat. It was a good move. Uh, Kujaku in this scene is being attacked by flowers, evil flowers with teeth. <laughs> I saw them, and they are very clearly fake, like silk flowers with just like Halloween-style fakey teeth. Like, if you get, like, a real, real budget Halloween, like, a vampire costume, and they give you the fakey fangs, that's what's going on here. So we got silk flowers and fakey fangs. The mm-hmm. uh, the the rangers all show up to save her from these flowers. And she's like, oh, thank you. I gotta go. I'm looking for this tear thing. And she just books. No, no, no. Not <laughs> no, she doesn't. Not yet. Because she oh, says, she? "My notes must be backwards." Then no, what? <laughs> it's a great moment because she's like, "Rangers, I really appreciate that you've come, but like, I need to find the sacred tear, the sacred peacock tear." And Daigo like looks at all the rangers and he's like, "I don't remember exactly what he says, but he says something to the effect of, guys, I I must go with her. Like, I understand. Please, like, forgive me that I have to, like, leave with Kujaku to, like, do this thing. Because I love her. Oh, yeah. Okay, no, this is a great moment. Because there's there's a moment of silence. And then Rin is like, yeah, we're we're also going, Daigo. Right, like, we're good. We're, like, you don't, we're, it's fine. We're coming with you. (laughs) Like, we're a team and we care about helping each other? You remember that part, right? Yeah, like, it's, no, we're good. We're good, dude. And Daigo's not sure what to do with that. But then they leave. So as they're going along looking for the peacock tear, uh, Kujiku sort of gives them the quick rundown on what it is. Um, You know, it's like an ancient thing. It has magical healing properties. We see a picture of it. Or, you know, we see like a cutaway to, you know, like a soft focus image of the sacred peacock tear artifact. Yeah. Basically what it looks like is a prop version of a ceramic avocado with like some gems on it. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. Like it's a it's a weird, goofy looking thing. But uh, so we see that. But it eliminates corruption. What's that, Dave? But it eradicates corruption. Uh, Which is very important. Yeah. Super duper important. It's like the whole point, right? So they are walking through like a foresty area thing. It's not like super overgrown, but it's like there's trees and everything there. Yeah, there's a handful of trees around, which is a problem because those trees start to attack. Now, when I say that the trees attack, I don't mean that they start like swinging their branches or their roots lift up and like capture them or anything like that. Right. Basically, they just all start like throwing sticks as though the sticks are all spears. Yeah. And I think, well, I think they gave us a brief explanation of this before that Kujaku has said, oh, we must be getting close because... 
the sacred peacock tear in order to like make use of it you need to overcome it you need to prove that you're worthy of its purifying power i guess is the the concept yeah and so and so, so what they it's think bringing is everything to life to defend itself and so what it seems like is happening is that they are going through the trials that the peacock tear is sitting in front of them. So as they are running away, they get ambushed by Gara. Right. Who just, she doesn't actually do a whole lot. She just kind of shows up and there's Kotopotoro there and the Kotopotoro attack. And then the rangers beat up on the Kotopotoro and Gara and Kujaku are kind of going back and forth. Gara does eventually get the better of Kujaku. Kujaku goes down. Gara launches like an energy bolt thing at her. It's about to hit her. Bump ba ba. Daigo jumps in the way, saves Kujaku. And then we get to the source. It's been mentioned before the source of this grudge between Gara and Kujaku. Right, because what it is, yeah. As as Gara is leaving because she sort of lost the upper hand, she swears to Kujaku that she's going to stop her, and specifically she says, "I swear by my scar." And you see her cheek, and the scar, which normally she has like magically covered, has been revealed. And it's you know, it's not a great looking scar. You know, it's just like a line down the side of her cheek. Right, but it's not. Like, it's not that bad. Yeah, I can't stress enough to you that this scar is not, like, really disfiguring. Yeah. She basically looks fine. But this is the entire source of this grudge. And okay. we'll find out, not even that. So, we so get a brief is... flashback to show oh, yeah. what the deal is. It turns out, guys, that Gara is originally a member of the Die Tribe. Not yes. only is she a member of the Dai tribe, but she and Kujaku are like childhood besties. And so one day, they're just walking through the Dai tribe village, and one of the ancient Grecian columns that they're walking next to collapses. The, a building starts to fall over on both of them, and Gara tries to protect Kujaku by sort of diving over her to protect her from the rubble. Which she does. She totally saves Kuchiku, but she gets this scar on her cheek. And again, guys, I just, I just can't stress enough how not a big deal this scar is. And so Kuchiku then goes on to say, like, and you know, there was this scar. She hated it. I felt terrible. Because so, she got it, you know, saving me. Yeah. And like, she grew to resent it. And so what I did, I now speaking as Kuchiku, what I did right. is that I went to go study, like, to gain the power of the peacock Buddha so that I could then fix her scar. And while I was studying... Specifically, Matt, she says, training to inherit the king of peacocks. <laughs> yes. Uh, so as she's just wanted to make sure we didn't miss as that. As she's training to inherit the king of peacocks, that is when the war between the Dai tribe and the Goma breaks out. Right. And then, sort of, she comes back. Uh, she sort of gives herself up to be more than just a student, like the avatar of 
the king right well what she okay so because what you see her doing matt and this is actually kind of a neat this is an interesting thing in uh i i will say generally sort of like an eastern i shouldn't say mythology Eh, mythology works legend legend is a better term okay because what you see is kujaku and she is just she doesn't like look like she's doing anything she's literally just sitting there kind of through time like you see like time is clearly progressing and there's like horrible weather and like snow and lightning storms and kujaku is just kind of sitting in meditation and that is her training to inherit the king of peacocks right right this is actually a thing from uh eastern legend and it is called, like, it makes a really, really big appearance in... Did you ever read the Ramayana, Matt? I have read parts of the Ramayana. Okay, sorry. Really quick, guys. The Ramayana is like... It's like a... Oh, man, I don't, like, I don't want to be disrespectful. It's It's like a super awesome action novel that also has a lot of uh, religious... Uh, stuff. Yeah, it is. It is. It is both a sort of religious document and also a like a super like adventure inter- story. Yeah, like it's it's a super amazing piece of literature. It's it's Indian. Um, if you've never read it, like you should totally read it. It's it's super rad. But the bad guy, who's not even actually totally sort of a bad guy, but in it, uh, his name is Ravana. And this is the kind of roundabout point to what I was getting to, is that he does this, he he does what's called um, sitting tapasya, and it's like you just kind of sit in meditation and are super duper holy slash ascetic, and then the powers that be just show up and are like, wow, you've really, you really did that. What uh, what do you want? Like, what do you? What's the thing that you want from all this? And you know, you you can use it to like ask for boons from the gods. And I think that's what I think the idea is that that's what she's doing. Like, she's just sort of like sitting in like ascetic meditation, and that's how you become the king of peacocks. Maybe it's not super clear. It's that I is. Was just, I think that is our best guess. I think sorry, that I, is. I recognize that that was a uh, roundabout, like, less jokey, slightly more educational moment. I just thought it was actually a really cool thing that they kind of went and, you know, made this part of the story. It was cool. I thought it was a cool No, no, it's very cool. And actually, as we've said before, whenever they get into, like, the weird mythological background of this show, what they do with it is usually very cool, even if they don't explain it all the way. Yeah. So... You see Kujaku, she does become, she, it says she what? She becomes the vessel, right? For the King of Something Peacocks. Something like that, yeah. I forget exactly, but that's the, that's the gist of it. Right. And she goes back. She's like, hooray, I did it. I can go back, but it's too late. Now they're in the middle of the war, and she finds that Gara has joined the Dietro, I'm sorry, joined the Goma. Right. And they then start their battles, which we have seen in previous flashbacks. Yeah, and I gotta say, man, I feel like if all it took for Gara to join the Goma was this, like, really insignificant facial scar, 
It seems like maybe she was just kind of waiting for a reason. Okay, well, that is true, but we will see later on in the episode that there is actually more to it. There is. So There's let's a little move bit forward more. until we get to that, because that's also actually a very cool moment in this episode. Okay, so we cut away from there. We cut to yeah. We cut the back to the present. quarry. Cut back to the present and the quarry. And they're there walking is, along, and there is an avalanche. Right. Well, a rock slide. Okay, sure. So it's a rock slide. They manage to kind of like they're a little banged up, but they're you know they survive. They're cool. But Kujiku loses another feather. And this is sort of like the indicator for like how well is she doing. Like her feather falls off and it kind of dulls, I guess. It goes from being like a peacock feather to kind of a dull bronze. Yeah, and sort of falls off her head and she looks at it and, you know, has a sad look in her eye. But the rock slide is still happening now. Oh, yeah, that's right. It doesn't stop. I don't know if you forgot this, Dave. The rock slide is still happening now. We come back to the Die Ranger headquarters in Murder Basement in the middle of whatever city this show normally takes place in. Right. And we see Kaku, and he is sitting on his, like, dais, and he is meditating, and you see, like, it kind of does some camera cuts back between him, and I think you do see Count Kaleidoscope, and they're doing this sort of like panty shaky camera move that is indicative in this show that someone is like chi fighting. And at the end of this chi fight, Kaku is able to make all of the rocks that are falling down like reverse and fly back up the hill, which is awesome. And again, it goes to show that Kaku could probably be doing most of the show on his own with no help. Right. Uh, he does, he kind of, at the very end, he glows. Like, he gets, like, a fiery chi glow. Uh, he possesses the power of the glow. Which, just, Matt, you have seen The Last Dragon, right? Yeah. Okay, just, I gotcha. All right, just, just wanted to make sure. So, anyways. Yeah, so Kaku possesses the power of the glow. And then, he teleports to where they are and is just sitting on a rock. I am still, Matt, mm, the teleportation, it's weird. It's weird. He has strange and mysterious powers, dude. I just, okay, anyways. A lot of what he does is strange and mysterious. <laughs> what he says is always strange and mysterious. <laughs> right. So, Kaku, Kaku is like Ranger Professor X. Like, he is super powerful and can do all sorts of cool stuff, but Kaku is a jerk. I was going to say, Professor X is kind of a big jerk. Oh, yeah. That's why I was saying it. Okay. <laughs> okay. Like, so just imagine in. Kitty Pride like, storming out of Murder Basement HQ, turning around and saying that Kaku is a jerk. Like, that is yeah, what we've got makes, going on here. Yep. That makes a ton of sense. So it turns out that all of the attacks that they have been under, like, from the very beginning of the episode, the attacking flowers, the sticks, the rock slide, all of it, it's all an illusion. Which and I was actually kind of psyched. Uh, right. But has not felt important, that it was an important enough detail that he should let them all know. Yeah, I was actually pretty excited because I, the word they use for illusion is genjutsu, and I recognized it because I've been watching Naruto. Oh, nice. And I was just like, hey, and I heard genjutsu, I was like, hey, illusions, I know that word, right on. So anyway, anyways, at so- the word illusion, Daigo was like, what? 
an illusion because of course he is like the heavenly phantom slash illusion star like illusions are his game so someone is messing with him using his own juice and he is not happy about it right so oh sorry in this time the dire rangers and and uh kujaku have been separated Okay. Yeah. Kujuku has kind of run off. Right. So she's kind of run off. And now we cut back. So that all happens. And now we cut back to Kujuku. She's in a cave and she looks over and she sees the tear. Is it an illusion? Probably. She doesn't know that. It totally is. It's totally an illusion. It is absolutely an illusion. But since she (laughs) left before Kaku showed up, she did not know that everything was an illusion. So she picks it up and she says something to the effect of like, Oh, sacred peacock tear, please purify me or help me out. You know, just like, come on, like, do your purification thing. Help me out here. Do that. Who do you do? Um, right. And so it sort of like opens up like the leaves sort of like, well, not peel back. Because as I said, it's a ceramic avocado sort of like fall open on their hinges. And yeah. she's about to partake in its healing qualities when Daigo rushes into the cave where she is. Like, grabs it out of her hand and throws it against the wall. Like, no, no, you mustn't. Kujiku, clearly upset about this, is like, Daigo, what on earth are you doing? They look back at the peacock tear, and lo and behold, it is turning from (laughs) a peacock tear into a bleached human skull out of which a poisonous snake crawls. It's a good moment. Oh, it's great. And so Kujaku is, you know, sort of appropriately horrified. All of the other then, rangers then come into the cave, and they are faced by Count Kaleidoscope, who's now joining the fight. Because now it's right. a fight. Yeah. Daigo is, like, he's obviously super angry. So he, Count Kaleidoscope, that is, starts trying to do, like, illusion attacks against them. And Daigo says, like, everybody, focus your chi and they all kind of focus their chi, and then they also possess the power of the glow. And yeah, then and, the and illusion by the way, fades. I don't know if you noticed, there was a cool moment where they were all glowing, and they were sort of glowing with their sort of general uh, yellow kiryoku. But if you were looking at Kujaku, she had her like special uh, rainbow-colored uh, Oh, aura. I missed that, but that's awesome. That was neat. So they managed to use their chi to dispel the illusion... And then they all fall, and then they're on an oceanside cliff? Yeah, now they're at a beach. And now here's the thing. I, re- <laughs> I don't... So, so is the whole cave an illusion, is the idea? I That's the only thing I can think about, because they dispel an illusion, and now all of a sudden they're at the beach. And so either the whole thing was an illusion, or they or- did like a chi, like feedback explosion that was so intense that it blew them all like a couple of miles to the coast i do <laughs> and i honestly <laughs> listen i've watched a lot of die ranger like i've watched this whole series now almost twice through a couple of the episodes more than that i still have no idea which one of those things is more plausible dude i okay so and but the point is so is now they're on they a beach are, they're on a beach right Count Kaleidoscope is there, but he is sort of stumbling around. Uh, Gara is there as well. And, and now... And Kujiku is like, Gara, seriously, why... No, I, mean, I don't even think like, it was Kujiku F? asked. Somebody asked her, 
Like, why did you betray the Die Tribe? Seriously, what is up with you? Okay. So what we find out... And this is, is actually Gara, pretty cool. Yeah. Gara didn't immediately join the Die Tribe. Or the Goma Tribe, rather. She stays at the Die Tribe for a while. But apparently everybody is kind of like mean to her we don't actually get we don't actually know if they're mean to her if she just personally felt ostracized because of the scar but when kujaku disappears gara is like oh she left she's betrayed me she was my closest friend she was the only one who didn't care about the scar so and if you recall forget her and forget like- the die tribe and if you recall, the reason that Kujaku left was to go study to inherit the King Peacock so that she could heal Gara. And so the reason that Gara is upset is because Kujaku left, but Kujaku only left to try to help her. And so it's this real sort of tragic moment when you find out that the whole source of this 6,000-year grudge is really just a misunderstanding. Right. Although now, what I will I feel say... Like maybe, first of all... Maybe Kujaku could have mentioned it. Just left a note or something. Just Why anything at leaving. all. Right. Also, again, I really sort of feel like maybe Garo is just waiting for an excuse. Both of these things are really good points. I think the first one is an, is the best point. Like, this was all a misunderstanding that could have very easily been cleared up by... Like, the morning before going to, you know, meditate for a couple of years to gain some magic powers to heal her, just mentioning it. Like, I don't know if she meant it for it to be, like, a birthday surprise or something, but, like, if she had just said, hey, uh, Gara, BT dubs, I'm gonna run out for, I don't know, a year, maybe five, uh, sit in a cave and try to get some magic powers to heal up that scar... Either Gara could have then said, okay, cool, thanks, or, eh, don't bother, we're cool. Right. They didn't. None of these things happened. (laughs) And now we've got capital P problems. Gara utters the line, I would do about getting rid of her scar. She says, I would do anything, even if it meant selling my soul to the Goma to be rid of this scar. So she clearly sells her soul to the Goma, does not actually get rid of the scar. But, you know, she can at least magically hide it sometimes, so... I feel like the Die Tribe probably could have helped her with that. Maybe I'm wrong. Listen, what a, a lot of... What we've come to discover in this episode is that neither Kujiku nor Gara make a lot of really sound, well-thought-out plans. That is definitely true. So, they have their kind of moment. We move on. I actually don't quite remember how it ends. Well, basically what it's like... Uh, Kujiku tries to explain what happened. Gara cuts her off. He's like, nope, no, I trusted you and you left me. And then <laughs> Sorry, resentment like, B, grew, I don't even want to hear and it. And now it's on. Um, Gara just leaves, throws a, either she throws an enlarging bomb. No, she doesn't throw an enlarging bomb. No, no, no. This, yeah, yeah, yeah. That doesn't uh, happen Count quite Kaleidos yet. Count just sort of gets up and tries to fight for a second. Okay. Uh, they hit him with the bazooka. No, no, no. Matt, Matt, Matt. Oh, you're right. You know what? I'm looking at my notes right now, and you're right. Please, go ahead. Okay. (laughs) So, it's an illusion fight, right? Daigo versus Count Kaleidoscope. Count Kaleidoscope, like, gets some attacks off. He, like, does some energy beams. Daigo hits him with the Diron Ken. 
Count Kaleidoscope is staggered. This gives Idaigo the opportunity to open up with his illusion attack, right? So right. he like does his hand thing where he like shoots out the illusionary mist. Good so far. Now usually he would be summoning like a train or a plane right. or a tank or something, right? A a plane yeah, a plane with missiles. There's a bunch of options. Doesn't go for any of those. What he does go for, Matt, is he says, like, illusionary Kujiku attack. So I am expecting, I don't know, <laughs> like... You mean like a giant energy... magic peacock or something? Right. Energy peacock. We've seen Kujiku any... do some, like, pretty cool attacks. Maybe she's, like, she's like a master martial artist. Maybe she's going to get some, like, peacock throwing knives in. And is that what happens, Dave? Really? No. No, it isn't. But I just want to be clear, we have seen, we the audience, and Daigo, have seen Kujaku pull off like a number of really slick attacks. What Daigo opts for is Kujaku on a bicycle with like a bell. And like Kujaku, she doesn't even, the illusionary Kujaku doesn't even attack Count Kaleidoscope. She literally just drives through him on her bicycle like ringing a bicycle bell. And then he and falls then over, and that explodes. was it. Oh, okay. So- <laughs> I love you, Daigo, but you're killing me, man. You're so, killing me. Right. So Count Kaleidoscope goes down, and then my notes just say, enlarging bomb, death. Um, there, uh, There's a brief detour into the bazooka. Some of the oh, bazooka, that's right. I'm sorry. They shoot him. And then I think you're right. This might be the shortest post-enlarging bomb fight we have seen. I mean, so, yeah. Like, like He grows. Enlarging they bomb. summon the robot. I think they swing the sword at him twice and then just do the finishing attack. Yeah. It takes less than 30 seconds. It is almost as though the actor who played, um, like, the, you know, inside the suit of Dairano had some sort of contractual thing where he had to be in a, like a certain number of episodes, and they just needed to shove him in this one. Because otherwise, there is literally no reason to have that part of the episode. It yeah. adds nothing, it takes three seconds, and that's it. So, back to the... Cl- so, we, you know, we, that scene's over. We jump back to the cliffs. Kujaku standing there. More feathers drop. Situation is getting dire. Things. Very dire. Yeah, man. Kujaku is dead. Like, she is dying. Like, she, we don't know how much time she has left, but it's not a ton. So Daigo is like, listen, Kujaku, I swear that I will help you find the sacred peacock deer. But Kujaku is weirdly not focused on the sacred peacock deer. The only thing that she can manage to talk about is how bad she feels for Gara that she has, like, fallen and become twisted. Like, she has finally yeah. regained her compassion so much that at this point she is straight up, like, supermanning, like, not caring about her own safety, only caring about, like, her old friend and what she can do for her. Which is a pretty, that's a pretty great moment on Kujiku's part. Oh, it's great. Listen, dude, you gotta believe in the power of love, especially on a Daigo episode. Oh, yeah, definitely. So I think that's, and then it's it. That's just, you know, ending credits, end of episode. That is the end of the episode. So Dave... I ask you, what is your high point of episode 36, A 6,000-Year-Old Grudge? Ooh, high point. Uh, I'm going with the power of the glow. 
Oh, love that sweet, sweet glow. Yeah. That was pretty rad. It was pretty rad. And uh, I also, I did miss it, but I liked that Kujaku had rainbow glow. That was neat. Um, and what is your low point? I am going with illusionary Kujaku on a bicycle. Yeah. There were, sort of a weak move, Kadaigo. Yeah. There were, I wouldn't say dozens, but definitely ones of different cool attacks that they could have done. We've seen a few of them. I just, like, I know I just talked about this less than two minutes ago, but it's so lame. It's so lame. It could have been rad, and it was super lame. So that's my low point. How I about mean, you, Matt? This, this what is was the your... same show that brought us an illusionary rock band killing people with the power of their music. Like, they I... could have done better than Kuchiku on a bike. Yeah. I just, it wasn't even a cool bike. It was ju- it was just like a kid's bike. It was really lame. So how about you, Matt? What is your what is your high point of this episode? Uh, I think my high point of this episode is all of the background on Gara and Kujiku. Like the weird, like historical mythology of these characters finally getting brought to light. Oh yeah, yours is actually that's a way better high point. Yours is much cooler than mine is. Yeah, well I got some notes here. uh, low point matt um for my low point i am going to say oh you know what my low point is this week dave it's honestly one of the same low points that we had last week was that the actual monster of the week got very little to do yeah like he showed up and he was a plot point and actually okay this is sort of a best slash worst, because I kind of like that he's really just a tool for Gara in this episode. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, like when they do give him a moment, a moment to fight, he gets nothing. Like as soon as they reverse his ch- their chi like back onto him, like it's pretty like much cute. lights out for him, and we just get a couple of minutes of what could essentially just be dead air while they murder this fool. Yeah, really, just nothing going on. Anyway, I think that's pretty much it. Do you have anything else? Nah, man, I'm good. Okay, then that is going to do it for another episode of Live and Let Die, Ranger. Before we finish up here, I'd like to remind you, you can email the show at supersentibrothers at gmail.com. If you want to get any updates on future episodes or connect with us on Twitter, we are at Bros. If you like the show, and I really hope that you do, remember, shining in the iTunes review section, there are five stars. Please rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. Uh, that's what's going to help other people find the show, which is going to help us in turn. Uh, the Super Sentai Brothers are a production of Retrograde Orbit Radio. Once again, we are the Super Sentai Bros. I'm Matt. I'm Dave. And we'll see you next week.